Welcome, friends. My name is Debbie Lawrence, and this is Episode 10 of the Compassionate Leader School Podcast. our economy is on the path of reopening, so many of us are struggling with making the right decisions for what is now being referred to as our, quote, next normal, especially in the face of not having full information, being overwhelmed with the sheer amount of information, wading through hearsay, trying to interpret poorly articulated guidelines, and so on. It's no wonder people are in overwhelm, and some are even paralyzed in their attempts to make choices about when and how to move forward. That's why I want to dedicate this episode to talking about the importance of working with facts, not hearsay, not gossip, not making up stories because we're making assumptions, but to help you make high quality, soul satisfying choices. As I always say, I want to work with people to help them make choices that make their hearts sing. I want to start with this observation. So often people make choices based, again, not on facts, but on how they perceive the outcome of an alternate choice. They decide not to ask for help because they assume the person they want to approach would only turn them down. They suspect the bank would deny their request for an operating line of credit, for example, even when there's no logical reason for that answer. They choose not to ask for the opportunity to even submit a proposal for fear they might be seen as lacking experience compared to their competition. They don't submit their resume for a job they'd love to have because they tell themselves no one would give them an interview, let alone the actual job. They're afraid to set prices that honor the quality of the work they do because they think potential customers wouldn't pay that much or they'd lose the clients they already have. These are also some of the same leaders who talk about their frustration, whether it's slow sales of a particular product line and inability to get their message out or uncertainty about how to secure the account of a desired client. What I hear more than anything is negative or non-nurturing self-talk that keeps leading them to acts of self-sabotage. They think of a strategy or opportunity and then as opposed to developing it through to execution, they focus their energies on imagining everything that could go wrong and as a result, roll the option out before they even start. Look, there's nothing wrong with studying the odds and preparing to deal with potential obstacles and setbacks. In fact, that's exactly what you should do. You need to get out there. You need to channel your inner Sherlock Holmes, be a detective, and do your homework. That means finding out actual information, gathering facts, talking to people, getting feedback, and asking the tough questions. It means going all the way when you're chasing an opportunity, putting your hat in the ring, standing in the arena, holding your idea or your resume or product high in the air, and being courageous enough to ask the world, how good or bad is this? It's like Denise, who owned a wonderful little European cafe in a flourishing neighborhood in Halifax. She had been working really hard to cultivate a loyal clientele. And after a short time in business, the same customer who initially stopped by just for a coffee also started ordering a takeout lunch. And then that led to requesting that Denise cater an event for them later that week. 
This was becoming her norm, which meant there were increased demands on the kitchen staff and there was heavier traffic in the cafe. Unhappy with having customers wait for a table or tired of running short on supplies because there just wasn't enough room, Denise wanted to expand her space. The commercial complex she shared with many other merchants was fully occupied, ruling out the possibility of leasing extra space on either side of the cafe, so that meant she had to drive through the neighborhood in search of a new location. It was around this time that I met her. During our early discussions about the relocation and expansion, I noticed that Denise kept crossing off one potential location after another. I asked her about her reasons for excluding these sites and she explained that the cost per square foot was just too high. She had crunched her numbers and taking into account the renovations and extra marketing costs she'd have to incur with the move, Denise led me to believe that the addresses she had scouted were all asking for $20 and up per square foot. Regardless of the other features they might have offered, they were stricken from her list of potential locations for the cafe because of the high cost to lease the space. Now, I'm a business coach and I'm curious by nature. So I started to ask her some very pointed questions. I said, of all the places you've seen, which one is your favorite? Her response was really telling. Well, she began, I haven't actually seen any of the spaces, but there is that new complex being built just down the street. I'd really love to be there. It's nearby, so my customers wouldn't be inconvenienced, and it's a brand new building. I mean, how wonderful would that be, she said. I remember hesitating for a minute as I thought through what she had just said. I was confused. I couldn't understand how she could negate a location if she hadn't even looked at it. I concluded that pricing must have been the most pressing factor. So needing more clarity, I asked more questions. In the end, I learned that all she had done was drive around, sit in her vehicle in the parking lot, and size up each location. She hadn't gone inside, hadn't found out who the property manager was, hadn't gotten contact information, hadn't learned about the specific features of either site, hadn't found out for a fact the cost per square foot, and hadn't even considered the idea of negotiating a better lease if the cost was too high. Denise had no facts whatsoever, just her perceptions and assumptions about what the facts probably were. Look, she's not alone. How many times have you made assumptions about what a person would say or do and then you acted accordingly. How often have you decided not to make a request because you felt the person wouldn't support you? How often have you chosen to do something because it would be easier than trying to get others to help you? Was that based on the fact that those people turned you down? Or did you make up the story based on your perception that they wouldn't be willing or able to help? Denise started her defense with yeah, but, you know, that yeah, but language. And she tried to explain and rationalize her assumptions. Her wealth of life experience had been a trusted gauge for decision-making all her life. So it was natural for Denise to look to her instincts for guidance. And to an extent, she's absolutely right. I always advocate having an awareness of what we intuitively believe we should do. 
I also know that people can sabotage themselves by not seeking full information or choosing to ignore any information, perspectives, and data that are contrary-minded, that are unattractive, or don't lead to the answer that they want. This justify-my-action strategy is either stifling and holds people back or results in them making low-quality choices that they end up regretting down the road and then their problems are only compounded. It's Denise who drew on substantiated reasoning and landed herself in a situation of potentially missing out on a great opportunity for her cafe. It's any business leader who doesn't reach out to ask for help or to ask for what they need because they believe they're supposed to do it all and have all the answers. I also hear the uh, been there, done that school of thought to justify inaction. This is one of the most dangerous lines of thinking to adopt. No one person has ever done it all, learned it all, or shared it all. What I've learned is that you can never be too cool for school, meaning you need to get out there to explore your options, to ask questions, and to find out the facts. In the end, you may not like what you discover, but facts equal truth, and I don't know about you, but I'd rather work with truth over assumptions any day. Hands down every time, the best decisions are those based on facts. Once Denise realized what she'd been doing, how she'd been basically shortchanging her own business, she made a commitment to herself to get back out there and find out the facts. So we started by creating a list of what she called her unmovables. I generally call them non-negotiables. These were the top five features the new location had to offer. Without them, she would be willing to walk away even when as high as four of the five were available. I encouraged Denise to get clear about what was really important. I didn't want her to have regrets. After four attempts, she had her list of unmovable criteria that became her North Star. And it looked like this. Uh, number one, uh, the new location um, had to be one where she felt good about the working relationship that she would have with the landlord. Number two, uh, the new location needed to have prominent street frontage. Three, it had to be at least 500 square feet larger uh, than the current space that she had. And she wanted to have the prospect of even being able to add on to that space over time. Number four, the site had to be within a two mile radius of the current location. And number five, the space had to be priced at a maximum of $16 per square foot. Now, this story just keeps getting better. So remember when Denise talked about the new building being constructed down the street from the cafe, the location she most preferred? Well, when she looked into it, when she did her detective work, as it turned out, the property management company constructing the new complex were the owners of the building that housed the cafe that, that she was already in. So number one on the list was achieved because Denise had a great working relationship with her landlord. It was easy to call him to set up a time to talk about what she was planning. Her landlord also had a great deal of comfort with her business model, knew the cafe well, and was thrilled with the potential to bring such a good business to the new commercial complex. Denise was given the option of three great spaces, each with wonderful street frontage, and she was also able to secure the square footage she needed. So that took care of two more of the criteria on her list. So now we had three of five. As the building was just down the street, her fourth requirement was also met, and that only left the negotiation on the pricing. 
In preparation, I coached Denise to be straight with her landlord about her needs. She agreed not to hold back from asking for exactly what she wanted. With this strategy in hand, Denise's intention was to negotiate with integrity. What transpired throughout the meeting, honestly, it was really inspiring. First, Denise learned that the square footage rate for the new complex had been set at $18 a square foot, less than she had originally assumed. Remember, she thought it was going to be at least $20 a square foot, and what she was looking for was $16 a square foot. Second, her landlord offered to pay for half of the renovation cost as long as they agreed upon the leasehold improvement schedule before signing the lease, and Denise had to accept or commit to a five-year lease. He put this on the table in good faith before discussing anything else. Immediately, Denise knew what a significant cost saving it meant for the cafe. As for the lease costs, the landlord asked Denise what she needed to make the deal work. Denise was reluctant at first to tell him that her comfort level ended at $16, but she remembered her commitment to herself, that final criteria she had written on the cafe's list of unmovables. Even knowing what he did about the cafe, the price Denise quoted was lower than her landlord had anticipated, and at the same time, he understood her challenges and was motivated to keep her on his team of tenants, so he was willing to do what he could. The final negotiation, now get this, it was for $13 a square foot for the first six months, which was her current rate. Her lease would then increase to $14 for the remaining of the first year, jump to $15 the next year, and finally to $16 per square foot for the last three years of the lease. That's why we need to be brave enough to ask the tough questions, to state what we need, and to be working with facts. Janine also learned the valuable lesson around working with facts. A gifted, self-taught graphic artist, she was working for a company in an administrative position as a payroll clerk. What she really wanted to bring into her life was the ability to work as a self-employed graphic designer, but she didn't have a piece of paper that stated Janine is a formally trained graphic designer, but she was a gifted, natural graphic designer. Always believing that graphic design was what she was meant to do, Janine was excited when she overheard a businesswoman in her exercise class talk about her desire to find someone with a fresh perspective to create a new branding package for her company. I asked Janine why she didn't approach this woman and suggest they meet. She'd laugh me out of the building, a disbelieving Janine replied. I don't have a portfolio. I don't have a client base. I don't have references. I don't even have formal training. How could I think a business owner of her caliber would even agree to meet with me? Now, you know, I challenged this thinking. I asked Denise if she knew for a fact what qualifications this woman was seeking in a graphic designer. She had to admit she didn't. But surely... She started in, I repeated the question, do you know for a fact that you don't have what this business owner is looking for? She admitted she didn't because you know what? What most people want is results. So our further conversation revealed that Janine was afraid that negative feedback from anyone might mean she wasn't ever going to be qualified or experienced enough to realize her dream of having her own graphic design practice. Interesting, isn't it, that as long as she didn't know the truth, aka as long as she didn't have the facts, she felt she could hold on to her dream of leaving her job and becoming a self-sufficient graphic artist. 
But the truth was, as opposed to giving birth to a dream, she was choosing to live in a state of delusion. Janine's choice was not to act on her goal, so it meant she was denying herself the opportunity. At the end of the day, by not getting the facts, this act kept her stuck. Talk about a self-spun, tangled web. Now, with some coaching, Janine finally embraced her right to put her dreams on the line. To prepare herself, she agreed it was important to put a portfolio together. Here was another reality check. While Janine didn't have paying clients to boast about, she had a healthy stack of graphic design projects she had done on a volunteer basis for friends, friends of friends, and a couple of nonprofit organizations. Packaging this was a powerful affirmation for this talented designer. Next, I encouraged her to pick up the phone and call some of these people whose work ended up in her portfolio, especially those who had used her work for business purposes. She was to ask them for letters of reference and to let them know that she was now launching her graphic design company. Reluctant to make the calls, Janine felt they wouldn't remember her, let alone the graphics she created for them. Do you know for sure? I pressed. Well, she conceded and made the calls. And as I suspected, not only did they remember her, but many of the business owners still used her creations in their promotion and product packaging. Janine even picked up two contracts in the process of making these calls. Armed now with proof of her capabilities, Janine was more confident when she arrived at her next exercise class. As we had strategized, she approached the business owner who weeks earlier remember, had expressed a desire to find an innovative graphic designer. Janine introduced herself and asked for an opportunity to present her portfolio. To Janine's surprise, the business owner kindly obliged, asking if it was possible to meet the next day. I suspect you know how this ends. Because Janine was finally open to finding out for a fact whether or not her perceived lack of credentials was a barrier, she discovered that the most important criteria was the quality of her work and her ability to demonstrate this. The woman she met with was very impressed with Janine's portfolio and she got the contract. With three clients in her pocket, Janine eventually headed off to register her business and to start living that dream. That's why we need to be working with facts. As the French-born American novelist Anne Nin once wrote, our life is composed greatly from dreams, from the unconscious, and they must be brought into connection with action. They must be woven together. Or you've heard me say this one before, as Harry Truman said, um, perfect, imperfect action is always better than perfect inaction. All right, my compassionate leaders, here it comes. Your take action challenge this week is to identify something important to you. And I know you already know exactly what that is. And I want you to bring it into your life. Bring it into your business. Bring it into your career. Maybe like Denise, you want to secure new space or additional square footage. It could be the desire to hire your first employee, to computerize your inventory, to launch a website. It might be to go after a different job or launch a business like Janine did, or have a courageous conversation with your employer about how you want to structure your work life now that businesses are reopening and we're all trying to define this next normal. Choose the one thing that you believe would move you or your business forward if you could just conquer it. Then write down your list of unmovables, as Denise said, or non-negotiables, as I would say, whatever pertains to this goal. 
and then put them where you can see them. Put them, uh, sorry, then put on your detective hat and start your fact finding. Now, as always, be gentle with yourself. When you catch yourself making up stories based on assumptions rather than hard, cold facts, stop, reset, and get going again and persevere until you're in a place where you can make a high quality informed decision. Finally, I want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, please go to my website, debbielawrence.ca and sign up for this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a comment or write a review. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, here's to giving ourselves permission to show up as open, fierce, and compassionate leaders, and always to living life abundantly. Bye for now.